0: Welcome, one and all, to Strange New Worlds, a Star Trek podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial Star Trek podcast. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hailing frequencies are open. Hello, Matt. Hello,
1: everybody. Here to talk today, Star Trek Strange New
0: Worlds Season 2. Indeed, Pete. Before we do that, let's go back to the past. It felt like it was just, just before... But rather, it was yesterday when our final Ahsoka preview went up on its own feed, as well as, of course, Samulcast and the Pop Culture Podcast feed. Uh, counting down, Pete, sun setting on Star Trek, rising on Star Wars. Uh, it's a good time to, to, to look upward to those stars. Until we have
1: more Star Trek in a little bit. But Matt, yeah, shifting over to the next Star Wars Uh, live action show
0: which we now have a new premiere date on indeed tuesday 9 p.m eastern 6 p.m pacific Uh, tuesday august 22nd is when the first two episodes will drop and then subsequent episodes each following tuesday at uh 6 p.m 9 p.m depending on your time zone and so forth uh pete it's all the earlier and i'll take it and now there's not also going to be the thing of oh man, it's a extra special finale where I heard things and such happen. Do I get up an hour early? Do I avoid my phone all day? No, Pete, I can just watch it on the television at TV time in the evening, if you can imagine such a thing. It's totally
1: uh, a new idea. It it may even catch on. Uh, it's been funny how, you know, Paramount Plus and prior to that, ye oldie uh, CBS, all access. Re- remember that monster? Um, you know, when sure thing, grandma, <laughs> when we were all refreshing our browsers, um, with the, uh, you know, Oh, is is a new episode. Matt and I are texting back and forth. Is it up? Is it up? It's up. Boom. Getting on star Trek discovery, getting on, uh, short treks. Uh, remember those, Um, And the irregularity with which those, uh, you know, popped up. And I can remember uh, writers of those episodes equally baffled about when their work would be publicly available. Um, But yeah, no, we've uh, we've aligned for this uh, strange new schedule that they're going to do that. Uh, So maybe Paramount Plus might adapt as that goes on. Uh, Doesn't really change things for us, Matt. We are going to keep Star Wars Saturdays, Star Trek Sundays. So our uh, podcast schedule remains unchanged, though you will get episodes for Ahsoka on Tuesdays. Uh, We will be talking about them on Saturdays, uh, Thursdays for
0: Star Trek, Star Trek Sundays. Pete. Surprising news here. These episodes of television are written by human writers who think up things. And starring human people. Uh much of the time, anyway. Looking at you, David Tennant character in Ahsoka. Um regardless though, the the dual writer's strike and actor strike. What's that? David Tennant's a robot. (laughs) Well, He's the 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 character is not completely David Tennant. There there are some some bits and pieces, but with the writers' strike and the actors' strike, um, as we look ahead to next week, kind of hope that the lack, once again, the lack of negative news coming out of the writing the the writers' negotiations, that the lack of negative news may suggest some uh, some positive movement there. Also, rumors, Pete, that today. Uh, Perhaps after Sunday brunch or something today, the studio heads will be hopping on their periodic zoom to discuss um, the status of things. So maybe things moving in that direction. And it's funny, I don't know whether it's, I don't know whether it's good for the writers and actors that the actors and writers are also striking. That is to say, like, if the writers get offered a deal, let's say tomorrow, they get offered a deal, which is. Ninety percent of what they want, basic negotiation would we'll tell you that's a pretty good percentage there, but they're not going to go back to work until the actors go back to work, so maybe the writers say, well no let's l- let's aim for ninety five percent ditto for the actors here, uh, although the actors have not been negotiating so Pete, just the big the big kind of Star Trek lesson here that maybe different groups without even necessarily negotiating together, maybe they're working together for the greater outcome. Let's hope, Matt, because
1: there's no live-action Star Trek left in the tank. We're down to lower decks. So, you know, at 110 days as we uh, release this episode today, um, it does not bode well. Uh, I know we're going to discuss in a moment the idea of more episodes. If they're going to do that, uh, they're going to be completely bucking industry trends. Um, And the people who say that have zero control over that. Uh, Regarding uh, this, however, Matt, are there, you know, normally super secret in-house numbers?
0: Yeah. And interesting with, nielsen now producing weekly albeit delayed by a month which i still don't entirely get that maybe that's because it's i don't whatever i don't entirely get that portion but with nielsen now having uh top 10 streaming overall top 10 original and top 10 kind of licensed out you know kind of like your rerun uh stuff um it was announced this past week that for the week when Lower Decks had the 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 two episodes that came out, the Lower Decks and the Musical One, uh Stranger Worlds has re-entered the original top ten. Worth mentioning, Pete. It's neither good nor bad, but uh Stranger Worlds does not uh crack the overall top ten. Really, you know, it's the summer of suits. Um NCIS is always up there. Like it's 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 a weird world. But here are some of the takeaways, Pete. It had 324 million minutes streamed. Okay, what does that mean? Let's divide that by 60 minutes per episode. Actually, they were less, um, or at least less overall. And then divided by two, because you got two episodes, you get 2.7 million. So there are 2.7 million viewers of the most popular show on Paramount+. Um, I don't know whether 2.7 million Star Trek fans, whether that's a good number or a bad number. Um, I I've absolutely no idea. I would just, you know, some basic math here. I know, uh, Paramount plus is now over $10 a month, but let's say you have Star Trek, I don't know, six months out of the year, you have 3 million Star Trek fans, you know, you're, you're, you're talking a good amount of money coming in. I would like to propose for Paramount plus for its most popular show to be pulling in less than 3 million viewers a week. Um, that's not good. That's not good for Paramount plus.
1: We have been talking for a long time that the once named CBS All Access, now Paramount Plus, will eventually belong to something else. Um, I think the Star Trek Prodigy move has hastened the countdown for that. Because why would you create it for Nickelodeon and then show it first on Paramount Plus, you know, because of business model and ability to get some money for it, even though you already got some money for it, Um, then to cancel it as the second season is continued to be made that is now being shopped. You know, we had news out of Star Trek Las Vegas from the showrunners that they're 99% certain it's going to be picked up. Um, Nothing past a season two at this point, Matt. I think what we're going to ultimately get, we're going to get. If we get more than that, we're going to be very lucky. Uh, But, yeah, this is the environment we're in, and I think those numbers – and those are independent numbers, not the streamer numbers, because I know that Paramount Plus tells me when they want a uh, survey that they have loads and loads of subscribers and fans, and they love when people call their podcasts uh, Star Trek: Strange New Worlds podcast. Or actually, they don't.
0: Um, yeah, the finances continue to be. Just so strange. I mean, to stick on the Paramount Plus tangent just for one more second, I don't remember when the exact merge was with Showtime to have it on there, but kind of weird, Pete, how now that all this great Showtime uh, programming has been added to Paramount Plus, I don't see that cracking the top 10 either. So, you know, a strange situation which, you know, once again, these larger Paramount financial issues may impact Star Trek. It happened with the Phase 2 show it happened with less money uh starting with Star Trek 2 and it's going to be made out of the TV division it started with the desire to have new shows to supplement the old reruns that's next generation and the you you know it's powerful enough to build UPN and then UPN falls into CW and CW falls it's weird how it's been the same thing for literally our lifetime if not beyond that somehow Paramount's most money making thing Star Trek has trouble making money for paramount I, I don't quite get it but as i think we both have said and are saying pete maybe it's a stewardship issue and maybe new hands could figure this out couldn't hurt
1: in the meantime at star trek lower decks returning for season four we will be previewing in our next star trek podcast a week from today sunday september 3rd ahead of that fourth season premiere, which will be available uh, for you to watch on Thursday, September 7th, and we will be podcasting the Sunday following.
0: So looking forward to looking forward to Ahsoka next week, looking forward to lower decks next month. Uh, It's going to be so much fun to have uh, starting September 7th to have these weeks when Ahsoka and lower decks are running, uh concurrently for those five weeks or so it's just it, it's going to be going to be good time certainly and i pete... think
1: now we have one week that is uh a star wars on a tuesday a marvel on a wednesday
0: a um star trek on a thursday yes in fact pete i, I i've yet to discuss it with you but uh That first week in October, tentatively, I think we're going to do... The first two weeks in October, we're going to tentatively do Star Wars Saturday, Star Trek Sunday, Marvel Monday, followed by Star Wars Friday, Star Trek Saturday, Marvel Sunday, as we swap out from... (laughs) We'll
1: figure it out, is what we're saying.
0: (laughs) As we sunset Ahsoka and sunrise Loki, that's going to be... That's the only way it's going to get even better. To think, think, Pete, as you said, October 4, 5, 6, we're going to have... Ahsoka 108, Lord 405, Loki 201. Man, welcome to the party, everybody. Welcome to the party.
1: Makes you a question, Matt. Maybe in the strike, they might space it out a little bit better. But again, you know, it's they don't have any issues as far as figuring that out. But let's talk this second season of Strange New Worlds, produced well before all the labor strife and a season that in every way goes deeper into what they gave us in season one.
0: I feel like what sets this show apart in terms of its seasonal construction, I would infer that it is the hand of Akiva Goldsman, who primarily has written movies. Yes, he has a lot of TV experience, and Pete, this is where you're going to mention that he also had a hand in...
1: The Batman.
0: You refer, of course, Pete to... Akiva Goldsman, notoriously having written Batman and Robin, one of the worst movies ever. Um, but just the way the parts of the season fit together. Um, and I know we've repeated and repeated the show's ethos of, you know, episodic adventures, but serial emotions, serial lives and so forth. Um, I know we're we're obviously going to go chronologically through the season here as we talk about some of the some of the the key moments here, but just to pick one to pick, for example, how Kirk is used throughout the season, you know, as an alt version of himself in episode three, but that then informs his presence when he shows up in episode six, lost in translation, which further preps things for uh, subspace Rhapsody, little things like that, where so many other shows would just be like, I don't know. Here's our, it's convenient to write and think and cast Kirk for three episodes. So we're gonna do the three episode arc and film all together, and it's gonna be episodes two, three, four, all together, and then it's we've had our moment as opposed to just a thing here, and then we leave it, we go to a brand new episode, and we kind of come back to portions of it. I love how these seasons are built. Back to my theme of deepening what we had before,
1: that we had a little bit of Kirk in the season one finale. When we come out of that, uh, you know, alternate take to have Una taken away in cuffs, and then they don't give us a to be continued. Um, But obviously, the story will unfold in season two to take it even further at the end of this season with the to be continued. Uh, I, I think they just have a. Really good sense of the stories that they're telling, and they're not overdoing things. I think that's really important to understand. There's so much economy in these seasons in the best possible way.
0: Well, that gets to a, a comment you had referenced before. I saw in the last couple days uh, a Stranger Worlds producer was saying uh a rather novel solution pete to stranger worlds is this big hit even amongst star trek fans how can you get more like it and his solution was what if you made more episodes per season now i think they're like logistically i can understand how there's some concerns and cost and so on and so forth but if you told me in the post strike bliss where the actors are happy and the writers are happy and so forth that they're going to do let's say 12 episodes for season three and they're going to shoot a four month block to do six episodes and they're going to take a little break. And then the four month block to do six more. And we're going to get it as three a in whatever, let just say January or whatever year, January, we're going to get six episodes. And then the summer we're going to get this, you know, six more. Sure. M- more, more is better. Um, if it could be done with this level of quality and we don't need to jump up to 26 episodes a season circa, you know, next generation Voyager and things like that. Um, I think that would also take away, the the harmonious construction of these seasons as well. I mean,
1: if Mr. Alonzo Myers controlled that Matt, which he does not because just like everybody else in Hollywood, he is compelled by the studio. Your episode order is X. Okay. Go write them. Now shoot them. And, uh, the, the trend of star Trek, Returning to TV, you know, streaming TV, started with 15 and has come down each successive season. And now, you know, you've only ever had 10 of Picard. You've only ever had 10 of Strange New Worlds. We're only getting 10 of the final season of Star Trek Discovery. So many of these shows only shoot 10. He doesn't determine that. The studio determines that I guarantee all of these writers who want to be working more often would write more episodes because so many of them, you know, work three months here and then that job ends and they jump to a new one and they've got to, you know, continue to pay for their mortgages, their rents for food, for all sorts of things. Um, Unfortunately, they don't determine that.
0: Well, uh, while I don't want Discovery cancelled, even though it has been, it it does occur to me, if you want to make... Like, look at it this way. In the 90s, hey, we would like, instead of 26 episodes a season of Star Trek, we'd like 52 or something. Okay, the solution was do a second show. I think that generally that makes sense. You want to meet, obviously not the middle, but if you're going to have... No more discovery after its final season. no more Picard after its planned three episode uh three season run um and maybe in a post in an early post strike scenario, you're still figuring out the particulars for the academy show or the scheduling for uh the section thirty one t v movie things of that sort um you, again, you want to give me you want to give me a handful more episodes of the biggest star trek show that there is right now in strange new worlds i think that that is a solution if if you can get the finances to work from the studio and the poor poor studio uh in addition to the actual talent and so forth but but pete let's dig into this season you reference the not super surprising but perhaps not intuitive way in which this season opened which is we know that number one is in prison and off the board and we need to get that resolved because I don't think we're writing her out of the show for forever and ever. So what do we do with episode two Oh one, the broken circle? Uh, We introduce the new character of Pelia. We deal with um, some Klingon uh, dissident intrigue and so forth. And the entire time there's this itch, but what about the number one story?
1: We don't address it. And we send Pike uh Anson Mount had just uh had a baby with his wife and uh they graciously gave him some time there oh we're gonna get to him in the next episode
0: which I feel like it look I want as I want as much Captain Pike in these episodes as possible but the Broken Circle does not suffer from not having him in it in fact if anything it's a reminder you have a great cast here let them all shine. And if the real life excuse is, you know, his family has grown. Okay. Go send him off to do a thing, which is convenient within the story. Maybe next season it's, it's in a, in a post, uh, you know, after we get the, the Gorn stuff resolved, maybe he does go on that vacation with Patel and sure. Let's do an episode without the captain just to let these other people uh, shine. The way that they
1: genreify these seasons as well. And I would argue They had a couple of a similar genre throughout, but it's also a really smart way to go about it, to get the big courtroom drama, not when we would expect it in the season premiere, um, but to
0: build up to that in the second episode, I think was wise. And in a season where there were a number of kind of um, epic episodes in terms of whether it's, you know, kirk real kirk on the enterprise the first time or the musical or the lower decks and or the big you know uh finale things of that sort ad astra per aspera is maybe the most important episode in that star trek tradition of hopefully giving people something to think about maybe even giving people who I have this way. Many Star Trek fans I'm sure were sympathetic the entire time to Number 1 and wanted to have more inclusion and more openness and things of that sort. But Ad Astra per Aspera is in that Star Trek tradition of asking viewers maybe reassess your own views. Where is it that maybe you're at you're at the prosecution's desk and and you need to reassess things here and realize that we should be coming to the defense of people like uh Unichin Riley. It's Completely in the
1: realm of the Star Trek message. I love that we even return to her words later to use in what, on paper, seems like the goofiest of episodes in episode seven. Those old scientists a crossover with the lower decks characters, uh, but again, to use it in that inspirational way out of the strife, that that we could return uh to strife to get to the stars that would later motivate characters in the future
0: which takes us to the future um there's a lot of star trek time travel episodes and the best ones you're probably not going to beat for uh emotional impact you know sitting on the edge of forever uh sometimes it'll be tough to beat them for fun i mean i think of picard and crew in what was it late 1800s san francisco with you know the the ageless gynan and mark twain you know they're just kind of those kind of fun stories tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow episode 203 has the fun of a time travel episode but it's it doesn't treat it lightly at all first of all the star of the episode Laan, who maybe is the least the, the the least fun having character. I was gonna say the least enjoyable. I enjoy the Laan character. I think many people do, but Laan does not sip deep from the cup of life here. um So for her to be in this high pressure time travel thing and the alternate Captain Kirk, and then all the the stakes of. Ensuring the uh, the the timeline be restored, but what does that mean for Alt Kirk, and it's gonna undo his timeline? There's all of that kind of drama there. Then you have the con stuff, which then introduces the or or formally introduces this asterisk that Star Trek has been operating under, which is the timeline is a little fluid because of uh, time travel. Mumble mumble. But most importantly, because Star Trek wants. Us to be living in the Star Trek timeline and for us to have that aspirational hope and there's kind of all of that there in an episode that still brings a tear to your eye at the end
1: softening Lon's character um, in, in a great way okay and it might be the greatest ending of any episode this season from an emotional standpoint um, but then too. Think about what you've done with first this alternate Kirk. But at the end of the episode, she contacts him, uh, you know, in her timeline for the first time they meet. They eventually meet in person. He's eventually going to run into somebody with her last name and Lon doesn't come up. Oh, hey, I know somebody. Now, again, it could be like Smith or Patel or Mohammed that it's just super common by that point in the future, but you got to fear for her in the long term.
0: And I know that th- that's something that we touched on in last week's podcast, which is, uh, what does it say for, for the characters that are not legacy, Gene Roddenberry created characters, um, because that they're not
1: career taken off right now. Is that what you're trying to say? That she might have some other things she could go and do. Well,
0: just that from the from the cold view of the writer's room, which is to say they're all fictional characters, you're not necessarily like, I feel bad if I write out this character because the actor is so wonderful. Um, does that... Because you can't move certain characters off their path of, as they go on to the original series, does that now open doors? You know, gotta kill somebody off in season three. Is it going to be one of these characters where they don't have you know, the kiss on the forehead from the great bird of the galaxy.
1: I mean, it's an interesting question to ponder. I I don't think even writers would view it as death for death's sake. You know, these actors are people that they know, people that they collaborate with. Um, And to think, too, that, all right, you're going to make these very, very difficult decisions, and then they're going to call you in and say, hey, this is the way it's going to go and all of that. Um, We're going to have to wait and see. Those discussions may have uh, already happened based on the heavy preparation that they had made for Season 3 that they, of course, did not get to uh,
0: use just yet. Looking ahead to Episode 204 among the Lotus Eaters, it's funny, I think for Star Trek fans uh, older than us, most of your time with the cage storyline is from the menagerie because the cage, there wasn't a color print till the late 80s or something like that. More recently, of course, you want to go watch The Cage. I mean, there it is on Paramount Plus. It's the first episode of the original series. Um, it's in its kind of chronological place. To think that Among the Lotus Eaters takes. Uh, takes from the cage takes something that happened prior to the cage which is this this initial uh, incident on Rigel 7 and so forth uh, and the loss of crew members and so forth things that that Pike is brooding over in the cage that Among the Loaded Eaters is a sequel to that unseen adventure which happened previously to the earliest star trek adventure that normal you know prior you couldn't see unless it was part of the menagerie and so forth what a place to go mining for what a place to make a sequel story from to flesh out rigel 7 that we see just briefly in the menagerie and here it is you know the 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 presence of a like a good old-fashioned star trek story about not 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 overusing your power but it's it's also not an episode that's reaching to like change minds on deep things. It's just a good old fashioned adventure. It's made by massive fans
1: uh, who are intelligent, who who know their stuff. Uh, as you said, to, to mine that detail and you look to, you know, what they've done with that gray space, what they've done with the next episode, Matt, we, we know the to thing doesn't work out. Uh, to have this delightful dinner comedy uh, charades episode uh, smack dab in the middle of your season to lighten the mood after the, the psychological darkness of the previous episode. Uh, really, really smart.
0: Yeah, it's a fun episode. It's a light episode. If you know the canon, as I suspect many people do you can kind of immediately understand you can kind of predict the ending in terms of we know the, the, the engagement does not result in marriage, but we know also the engagement will somehow be preserved by the end of this episode. So it almost adds to the lightness there. Um, The whole, you know, kind of look, it's all story baloney at a certain point, the whole story baloney of the Kirkovians come in and take away Spock's eyebrows and ears and, you know give him more emotions and so forth it's it, It's a conceit that's there for fun. There's no surprise at the end that he is restored and so forth and um you know it too is kind of a good old fashioned star trek adventure after that is episode two o six lost in translation pete we have we have science going on we have unseen uh like the littlest creatures you know like the little the little dr Seuss. Creatures there that live in the deuterium. Uh, we have some scary images. We have some great uh, kind of first canonical moments in the episode. Uh, this too is a real, uh, you know, a real top one.
1: And again, so many of these episodes set up what's to come. You can't have the musical episode and Ohora's contribution to it without this without her meeting uh kirk without kirk and spock meeting for the first time
0: in this episode yeah which is <laughs> here's how nostalgia works it's look it's a great episode there like i said we got the science we have the question of what's kind of the mystery it's a mystery episode right what is causing this things? what is causing her um uh visions uh, we get the the notion of you know life that we can't quite understand. All that, Pete, kind of gets it's secondary to the final oh. shot where Uhura introduces James Kirk to Spock, and the three of them sit there, and we say, "Oh, the future is just beginning." That's how nostalgia works. I would argue, Pete, they they put that scene at the end because that we're going to end on the high, and because they know if you put it at the beginning, then the rest of the episode is like, "Oh man, we got to deal with." Pelia, number one, dealing with uh, fixing stuff. You know, it's, it's, it's the way of things. The episode that
1: we were looking forward to, Matt, our listeners, so many viewers. That seventh one, you knew it once you saw the title,
0: Those Old Scientists. It is a delightful episode. I think that the story construction is perhaps buoyed by the fact that they know they're there to have crossover fun so again they're kind of springing upward from saying this is not the episode that's about the the deep rights of Illyrians or things of that sort um but what surprised me that I didn't see on the first view that there was really hammered home on I don't know how many times I watched it that week the second time the third whatever it was it's an episode that's about Star Trek fans you know Boimler and Mariner are fans of those old scientists just as is revealed towards the end of the episode, the, the enterprise crew are fans of Jonathan Archer's crew and so forth. And just the fact that it is Star Trek celebrating itself, but Pete, let's bring the energy to a slightly more serious place here. As we head to episode two Oh eight, take us under the cloak of war.
1: This really intimate flashback war
0: story, Dr. and Benga,
1: put in a place that you know we might identify and simultaneously be horrified by
0: yeah i think that again part of part of what has been shining this season is obviously the ability to tell different stories season one did that as well but we're able to dig deeper into the characters and to give uh what i would say from my my non-veteran status what i would say is an episode that delves into the veteran experience for for some who have served um look while that does not aspire to be perhaps as reflective as the most reflective episodes of star trek it took me to a place through the vehicle of science fiction under the cloak of war took me to a place that i can't quite imagine that i can't quite see uh, but is nonetheless the truth for some people.
1: And to follow up the super serious tone of that with Star Trek's first ever musical episode, I think you know the the tone throughout the season really, really balanced. We can go high, we can go dark, we can go high again.
0: It's it's such a it's such a a wonderful episode. It's one that I've gone. And rewatched and rewatched. It's one. I still have the the, the entire soundtrack saved on Spotify and all of that. I um, bought it
1: and I'm wearing it out.
0: Yeah. It is it the best musical of all time? No, it's not, but it's more to me, for my tastes, I've listened to it more than um the soundtrack, say, for Wicked, which I saw on Broadway last March. Um, and yeah, that ain't a bad show, don't get me wrong. Uh, but it's just it's it's got this this thing. I do think if they if they do another one, which is it a season three, is it a season four, who knows? If they do another one, the note I would give is I really, really think that there are sometimes divergences between I'm going to act and sing along to the song versus what Celia Rose Gooding does, which is I'm going to sing along to the song. And if that means I'm moving my body, my mouth, my neck in ways to hit the note, even though I don't need to hit it on set because it's previously recorded. Um, I think that would just add to the realism of it because Celia Rose Gooding looks like she's singing live every single song and some of the others, whether the strong singers or not, some of the others really look like they haven't figured out how to act in a musical and that's fine. That's not the purpose of Star Trek, not the, the background of most of their careers. That would just be my one suggestion for the future.
1: I don't know enough about how they film and, you know, temp musical stuff. Uh, I think it's magic. Uh, It's so unique, again, to all of Star Trek that uh, I can overlook even what you're telling me to look at.
0: If Star Wars... And Marvel do these wonderful, particularly with Star Wars, do these wonderful, you know, behind the scenes to the making of the season, or you know, with season two of the Mandalorian, it did most of the second season, and later did. We're gonna talk about the the stunning season two finale and all of that. My goodness, where is that for this episode of Star Trek? Let alone the whole season. I mean, I would eat up. Here we are, here it is, six months before the shoot, and here's the the two song people on the piano. Plink, plonk, uh, is this a good idea? I don't know. Fast forward to telling the cast about it, like, that whole thing. I love the 90-minute documentary on how this 62-minute episode of television was made. But Pete, from that high, high, take us to the, I mean, just hegemony is a wonderfully fun episode. It's not an uplifting episode, but we're there along for the ride. You know, good guys, V lizard people via independence day and cliffhanger. What would you like to say about this great season two capper?
1: So much goes on that. My brain was constantly like, there's no way there is enough show for them to resolve this. And I was right. I was just like, all right, they're going to they're going to hang us off the cliff here and I'm I'm fine with it. We know they're renewed for two more seasons. It's it's just going to be a wait because of the environment right now, but uh you know this was the the epic finale to go to. Um interesting that they had pondered at one point that 9 would be a two-parter into 10. Um and then, of course, the, the musical machinations.
0: You know what struck me, too, particularly listening back to our podcast for episode 210 and some of the discussion that we had in terms of does every character make it out of it? And we talked about it earlier in, in this podcast as well. It must be really interesting for the season one Strange New Worlds cast. To be getting through season two, to be getting to this season two finale. Now, Pete, I can—I've only heard nice things about the work environment there, and everybody gets along, and so on and so forth. But can you imagine if you're, particularly if you're the actor of a non-legacy character? But even if you are playing a legacy character, to sit and go, do I really want to go complain again? I'll pick something silly to make a complaint about. Do I really go want to go complain again about the the temperature in the makeup room because, um. What says that they couldn't replace me with Scotty next season? You know, and look, obviously, are they going to replace Ortegas with Scotty in in terms of that spot in the ship? No. But for any of these people, Pete, don't look now, but before they filmed episode 109, um, there weren't any kind of, you know, TOS characters. I mean, yes, there's the ones that carry over and so forth, but they're kind of, we weren't headed towards TOS. We were firmly in Stranger Worlds. Two ten, or pardon me, one ten alternate timeline Kirk shows up Whoa, okay well you knew Kirk was out there now here you are 10 episodes later Kirk and Scotty are out there there's nothing to say that you couldn't oh man with the Farragut and Dry Dock Kirk is here for six episodes next season I'm not arguing for it I'm just saying what an interesting if not uh, always positive work environment to be like you're at any time it could just be swap me out with a character who's been beloved for almost 60 years
1: right and you know do do they have enough that scotty uh will remain there's there's nothing saying he he can't go back to starfleet and then pop in again like kirk um is is one for season three because again they can't talk right now. And and now confirmed for season three is you know uh our Scotty actor. Um and then Matter, we just down to McCoy at this point.
0: Um and Chekhov. I mean, although he's Chekhov. obviously not so,
1: well, but remember we don't have him in the first season of the original series. Or sure. I'm sorry, Sulu, jeez. Um so like do we does the show have to grab for all of them? Obviously Scotty as a character is uh, older in age uh, than that. It's going to be interesting to see as long as the show runs, will they a butt up against that? Will they, will they make fun of the, uh, the checkoff thing and that con remembers him, even though he's not in that episode and, and, you know, he he really dated Lon or something like
0: that. Or or their checkoff is as the lowliest the lowliest cadet you know scrubbing the toilet or whatever, saying one day I hope to get to the bridge. And they're like, sorry <laughs> guy, you're not you, you're not going to see bridge. You're not going to see but bridge here, action. Escort
1: escort this guy from the Botany Bay. Um, yeah, I mean, the sky's the limit with this show. And that's what I think so many fans love is a love letter. Listen, Picard was great, but clearly the the third season was the pinnacle. Um, I think there's even brighter days ahead with strange new worlds. And uh, let's, let's just get these poor people uh, an equitable deal and back to work.
0: I, I don't want to say Negative things about Discovery because it's the foundation that all this is built on. But I was thinking a couple of days ago, and we've talked many times. Okay, Discovery was conceived as a show in the height of Game of Thrones and The Walking Dead. So the the long form novel for TV, the dark embracing the darker. Let alone as Discovery is coming together, you know, politics changing in the U.S. And, and and kind of all of that. But what has Strange New Worlds shown? There's something inherent about Star Trek to do weekly missions kind of, you know, in a certain degree, kind of how the real Navy is, you know, the next two weeks we're going from here to there across the ocean. That's our, our mission of the week is make it across the ocean. Then boom, now we're in port and that's going to be its own adventure and so forth. Um, I think that discovery shone at its best in the first season when The darkness that's built into that show could be reflected in the darkest things that can happen in Star Trek. You know, a war, a galaxy-ending war, nearly, uh, and and the mirror timeline. When you kind of don't build a show to be dark, when you don't build a show to be really this season-long novel for television, like Strange New Worlds, all of a sudden it's like it pops open and you go... Yeah, we can do the prequel episode, the singing episode, the funny meet the parents episode, the dark veterans experience episode. And, and you know, like, this is where Star Trek naturally wants to be. And again, I don't want to make it sound like season two of Strange New Worlds discovered this when season one uh, did not. But season two is where it was like, this is how you can enter the fast lane with the Strange New Worlds model. And that's I, I really, really think that's the model of, of Star Trek moving forward
1: that they're tied together in that Spock and uh, Pike and number one came from discovery to me, I think is super important. And I think discovery is always going to be important for relaunching this era. Um, And as you mentioned before, the, the political climate that discovery was both birthed into and then has run during is important to acknowledge uh because real life effects are we we know this um it's gonna be great to see how they finish up and to give them their time i i can't wait to get back to that i feel like we've been away for longer than is necessary um and uh we'll be talking about that after strange new
0: worlds when we get news for season three. Obviously, it's predicated on contracts for the writers and the actors. Um, and obviously, there's much up in the air. I know that as, as counterintuitive as it might sound, actors' current contracts, <laughs> though they are without a contract, the nature of the contract in terms of you're under contract for the next six months or you're under contract towards such and such a date, that's all on pause. So, for example, here, here's a worst-case scenario that cannot happen, Pete. If Anson Mount at all have contracts uh, to be filming Strange New Worlds for the next six months from July 16th, which was the start of the strike, give or take a day, July 16th to January 16th, um, once the contract resolution is resolved, they still are under contract for the next six months from whatever g- thumbs up date is. So it's not going to be a case of, oh, man, we saw, I mean, I guess in some sort of worst case scenario. They could cancel the show. Uh, but. Barring that, there's not gonna be some sort of but there was the movie that Anson Mountain is signed up for, and now there's a conflict, like it's all all of that is kind of built into things. Um, I would like to propose, Pete, a couple of things for season three. First is maybe they noodle with another crossover with lower decks, maybe they noodle with another musical. Here would be my greatest hope, because it will be a while for Strange New Worlds to come back. How about uh however Discovery Season 5 ends? How about some sort of end coda where our discovery people come back to their original timeline in a strange new worlds episode. I think for, to propose that maybe that's the final scene of season three and Pike looks at the camera and says, what? And then part of our season four adventure is strange new worlds plus discovery crew, etc. cetera.
1: I'm going to flip that around. I'd really love for discovery to sit down and do you know, here's how Pike and Spock and number one and all that, they've done it with Spock a little bit and and maybe a, a coda on that, even though it's, it's still running that acknowledgement that both the show came from them and continues. I
0: think that could be really cool. And I think for better or worse, the fact that season three is delayed, it does give the time, for Star Trek Incorporated to digest the end of Discovery and whatever that looks like, Pete, maybe another podcast. I'll prognosticate. Maybe there are Discovery the TV movies or something like that, where that's that's not the end of that show. But as you said, Pete, that's a discussion to have as fall turns to winter, and if we get a date for Discovery season five or it disappears into the ether. But this second season of Strange New Worlds has just been a delight from beginning to end. I, I would say there was not a there was not a cl- a clunker in the bunch, which is rare to say for ten episodes of high stakes TV. Yeah, I would agree with that. I I think
1: four's a little wobbly, um, but other than that, yeah, I mean, super solid. It's crazy how quick this season went.
0: Pete, we check the email inbox one last time this season, and we hear from Stacy, who says as follows, I can't believe we're at the wrap-up episode already. These seasons go by too fast. I really enjoyed this season. It was a great mix of super fun and really serious episodes. Everyone on this show is just amazing. They all clearly enjoy what they do, in the show, uh, and it makes the show that much better. And watching them stretch beyond their characters' norms was great. Pike and his relationship with Battelle. Spock and his emotions, especially when his Vulcan side was gone. Laan opening up to Kirk, everyone singing. And that crossover episode with Boimler and Mariner was better than I could have imagined. I loved seeing the Kirks as much as we did, especially Jim Kirk. Paul Wesley really did a great job with his portrayal of him. His and Christina Chong he and Christina Chong had great chemistry in Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow. He was even better in Lost in Translation. His Jim interacting with Celia Rose Gooding's Uhura was so good. And I loved the addition of Carol Kane as Pelia. She's a great character, and I hope we see more of her next season. My only real disappointments were that we didn't get more Ortegas, and that people were really angry that Scotty is played by an actual Scott. Every time, I think I can't be surprised by the ridiculousness of people on the internet. They gotta prove me wrong. I know it's gonna going to be a long wait for season three, but I have no doubt it'll be worth it when we get it. Thanks for another great season of podcast episodes. Can't wait for Lower Decks. That from Stacy, a.k.a. Stingray, a.k.a. TrekGirl88 on Twitter. And, of course, this entire seasonal journey built on the backs of those who support us on Patreon.com slash Fantastic Geek. So our thanks once again to everyone who has kept us listener supported for this voyage and for the voyages ahead. Everybody who contributes
1: gets access to exclusive content, all sorts of levels to choose from. You put the value on the podcast. Can't contribute right now. Get over to Apple podcast. Leave us a rating or a review and help us out just
0: as much. Pete looking ahead. It's all star Wars, at least for the next, for the next week or two uh, with uh, Ahsoka premiering on Tuesday and star Wars Saturdays. But of course, uh Star Trek Sundays will return in September, September 3rd, but we will be when we will be previewing Lower Decks season 4, that great success of Lower Decks uh ahead of uh podcasting Lower Decks episodes on Star Trek Sundays. So it's just a little a little goodbye on Star Trek Sundays until things fire up in the next uh next couple of weeks.
1: I have a feeling a lot more people are going to be watching uh, Lower Decks this season
0: after uh, Strange Worlds well pete let's keep the star trek conversation going how can people be in touch with you on social media sites and such you can find me on twitter and threads at
1: peter p-i-e-t-e-r-j-k-l-r-k-e-t-e-l-a-a-r 12,688 followers on twitter and falling can't be wrong
0: and while I'm personally on Twitter is Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on fantasticgeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail, and threads where we are fantasticgeek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash geek with the PH, all one word,
1: like it today.
0: Looking forward to the soon return of Star Trek and the continuation of Star Wars and then... As we said yesterday, Pete, looking forward to that first week in October where it's going to be the grand trio, Star Wars, Star Trek, and Marvel three days in a row. It's a good time to be playing in the sandbox with that. I will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final Season 2 word. Talk to you soon.